Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! Yay! Did I sound excited there? You sound so excited there. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Uh, and I love this episode we've got. Boom, master of segues. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> we had a fucking great time, dog. Definitely one hell of a story, and I can't wait to get into it. Before we do, uh, Andrea has a few things to say about some words. A few things to say about some words indeed, Armando. Um, we have, in our Facebook group, we've posted uh, a few different organizations. If you have some spare money rolling around in your pocket, uh, you can give money to, to organizations like the ACLU. You can donate just $5 a month and have a subscription to Justice. I highly recommend it. It's pretty cool. Um, we also have some different action items that different petitions you can write to and that's all pinned in the Facebook group. So if you're not part of the Facebook group, please join. We got everything. We got cheese memes we got gator justice we got direct actions for social justice so many direct and actions for social justice brad has been really fighting for it and i appreciate that <laughs> from him so mm -hmm. yes and andrea does uh flesh out more of this information at the end of the episode so stick around and we'll go into it in a little bit further detail and i think without any further ado let's get into the show hello hello, hello. the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! And it's Armando's week! Hello! <laughs> Don't sound too excited, Armando. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... Yay! 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 Oh. Oh, yay. Here, today we have Andrea Gazetta for the rest of my life. Yay. Do it to me. <laughs> yay. Harder. Yay. <laughs> if I sound uh, disinterested, I'm not. I'm just stoned. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I know, honey. That's that was, not new. That, okay. that was okay. level 10 excitement for stoned Armando. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> Yay! That's what that was. <laughs> We're back. It's my week. We're back with our regularly scheduled programming, and we are doing. Uh, a, we're starting a series on Timothy McVeigh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty crazy story. Um, let's just kind of hop into it. Yeah. The Oklahoma City bombing is the deadliest act of domestic terrorism in modern American history. And at this point, the motive behind the 1995 attack is basically common knowledge. A skinny white kid from New York got so mad at the government that he decided to detonate an explosive device. A device that would kill 149 government employees and 19 of their children. And whenever somebody hears a story for the first time, they have a lot of questions that all revolve around how. 
How could someone do something so horrifically evil to their own people? How could someone be filled with so much hate? And how could they have no remorse? And the answer is simple. Even though he was tried, convicted, and put to death for his crimes, Timothy McVeigh saw himself as a hero, and he always had. In this three-part series, we will see the kind of person who is attracted to the white supremacist movement, how they are brainwashed, and the tactics that they use to fight a war with America that the rest of us don't even know about. <laughs> Fuck Whitey! <laughs> I do want to say the reason we wanted to cover this and specifically cover it so close to Waco is because they are tied and we'll get to that later, but yeah, we're not yeah. just covering this out of the blue. Episode three will kind of tie in everything that we've covered uh, all together and you'll see where all of this shit ends up. But before we start this episode, I've got a few sources for you. So I watched uh, a 60 Minutes interview with Timothy McVeigh right before his execution. Gotta say, very tense interview. It's almost, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's almost like, uh, you know how, you know, have you ever had to have like a, a conversation with your parents before your report card comes in and you know you're failing? That's, that's, a, that's really what he looked like. <laughs> Holy shit. Listen, listen, mom, dad. You don't need to look at the report card. You know I'm cool, right? Like, you yeah. love me, right? You love me, right? Uh, the next one we have is several articles on white supremacist groups by the Anti-Defamation League. Very, very hard to read. Um, I mean, they're very well written. That's not what I'm saying. It's just hard to read about <laughs> these groups right now. I was going to say, I had an eye patch and a magnifying glass. It seemed to not really work out. I was reading through about the clan through a kaleidoscope. Very colorful. <laughs> they would hate it, but yeah. Uh, we also have the book American Terrorist by Dan Herbeck and Lou Michael. Great fucking book. It These dudes talk to Timothy McVeigh nonstop. And um, the one thing wrong with this book is that he will insist that things didn't affect him and then he'll talk about them for a hundred pages and you're like, mm. all right, okay, buddy. Someone was a little upset about this. Yeah, I don't even care that they got my ice cream order wrong at the Dairy Queen and it's fine. It's totally fine. Okay, first of all, first of all, it was a very simple order that I made at that Dairy Queen, okay? Was it for that new, like, animal circus cracker one? Because I've been seeing that on TV and I want one. Ooh, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know Dairy Queens were still alive. So good on you, Dairy Queen. This one's for yeah, free. They, Here's a free shout out on us. Fun fact, before they were called Karens, they were called Dairy Queens. Ooh, <laughs> very nice. There is a legit festival in Northern Wisconsin where you can be the dairy princess of the fair. Like, it's like a beauty pageant, but dairy-themed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know if that's where Dairy Queen came from, but I can only assume. <laughs> you ever hear something and then realize it's what you've been meant to do for your entire life? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Paige Wesley knew she didn't just have to be a Dairy Queen. She was born to be a Dairy Queen. Yes! Email them. Get me a, an honorary crown of some sort. <laughs> Made of cheese. 
And finally, we have the documentary Oklahoma City, directed by Barack Goodman. Uh, really amazing documentary. If you if you don't have any of the streaming services, it's available to rent on YouTube, believe it or not, for $4. And this is the first time I can actually, without any sarcasm, suggest a YouTube documentary to our fans. <laughs> so here's the thing. Everything about Timothy's childhood is weird. And it's not, like, bad. It's just weird. It even starts with, like, the story of how his parents met. So let me set the stage for you, all right? It's a Friday night in 1963, and all the cool kids are exactly where the action is. That's right, the Catholic Bowling League. (laughs) You laugh, but my grandparents bowled for decades and that was like the hot place to go and they used to take my mom and her sister to the bowling alley that was like their place so this doesn't surprise me at all not only did they bowl for decades but they bowled for christ (laughs) (laughs) don't you remember when jesus passed those buckets out into the crowd and and got a perfect strike don't you guys remember that do you know how much jesus loves you a 710 split you're welcome one fan whose name is probably gary that joke was for you (laughs) you're you're welcome christians who are also bowlers (laughs) so yes they they met at uh, a catholic bowling league uh she was mickey hill a young up-and-coming travel agent who was as beautiful as she was funny And he was Bill McVeigh, full-time factory worker and part-time local softball legend. (laughs) I know, I I know this isn't the case, but I'm picturing her voice just like, I'm Mickey, I'm bowling for Christ. (laughs) Like, that's what I'm picturing. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see the world and get a strike for Jesus. (laughs) He fell in love with her for her wit and her charm, and she loved him because he was local softball legend Bill McVeigh. I know that doesn't mean anything to us. (laughs) It's not even baseball. It's softball. I got to tell you, in the local southern New York State softball scene, that's a big fucking deal. (laughs) Oh, my my God. Who's that man striking out in the tight pants? With the underhanded throws. <laughs> and she's just like, mm, he's not going to strike out tonight. Mm, look at that ass. <laughs> I want to get a home run with those balls. <laughs> <laughs> so the two hit it off and they got married in 1965. Also, in case you guys are wondering, yes, that her legal name is now Mickey McVeigh. So just be happy knowing that person exists in the world. Yikes. Jeez. So Timothy James McVeigh is born on April 23rd, 1968. And from there, he just kind of keeps the weirdness going. Like, you know those toddlers who seem pretty much indestructible? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, they fall off off of a a jungle gym and you're like, oh, fuck, they're dead. And they're just like, ha ha, I'm alive and I'm going to go on the swings now. For example, you could, like, bowl them. (laughs) (laughs) Just toss them down a lane and see what happens. Let's see what you got, Timmy. This one's for God. And then he just throws him down the bowling lane as fast as possible. 
Honestly, if they did bowl with their child, that explains a lot later on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they didn't bowl with him, but he was no stranger to uh, extreme head accidents. Okay. He's what we would call a gutter ball. (laughs) Yes. Timothy McVeigh was definitely a gutter ball. (laughs) One time, a heavy can fell on his head and he needed three stitches. Another time, he hit his head on a shelf and needed five stitches. Once, while he was riding his bike, he crashed so hard that he forgot that he even owned a bicycle. <laughs> Get this kid a helmet. <laughs> I, I know you meant like aluminum can, but I just pictured that lady who like brushes watermelons <laughs> with her tip. <laughs> he was just standing too close and they're like heavy can gotta get stitches <laughs> timothy age five visited hot lana too soon <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <sighs> i know that's not what happened but now it's that's got it that's history right we're making it part of it yeah that's canon that's canon oh hey. Hey. Given his, you know, history, I expect him to be hit face first with a cannonball or something after this. (laughs) It's like the only thing that hasn't hit him in the head. But through all of these injuries, he never really seemed to cry or complain very much, which is kind of weird. And maybe like maybe if your kid doesn't cry after the first traumatic brain injury, you go see another doctor. But I'm also not a doctor. Not going to lie. If you have a concussion. It's hard to cry because you don't know where you are. (laughs) That's the most horrifying sentence I've heard today. She's got a point. He can't be mad about crashing his bike if he doesn't know he has a bike in the first place. Yeah. As someone who's woken up in places they they weren't before, that that checks out. (laughs) Concussion expert, Andrea Gazetta. Thank you. The, the ironic part is the more of a concussion expert you are, the less you're able to be an expert on anything. You're welcome. <laughs> Easily convinced, Andrea Gazetta. <laughs> Where are we right now? By the time he was 10 years old in 1978, Timothy was a full-blown gutter ball, if that's what we're calling him. <laughs> If you don't believe me, his favorite drink, and this is not a joke, his favorite drink was pickle juice. I know a lot of people like that. So Timothy McVeigh is basically the blueprint for the Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Or just a modern hipster. And maybe it's just because I'm in too many food groups on Facebook, but there's a lot of love for specific pickle juices. I'm not here for it. But it's a pervasive thing in our society today, and we need to talk about it. Well, apparently, it wasn't really uh, a matter of, like, which kind of pickle juice he was drinking. Apparent, And this is true. This is not something I'm making up. It was in my notes. Apparently, he used to just carry a jar of pickles around, offering them to strangers so that he could just chug the pickle juice faster. Oh, that's making me nauseous. Oh god! I want you to put your germy, dirty child hands into this jar of liquid and then after multiple people have done this, I will drink the broth water of germs. The broth water also, of it's, germs. It's a brine. It's a yeah. brine. It's There's so, so much salt in it. That's so disgusting. Oh, man. He's just like, chugging it. He's just like, mm, oh. love this salty green goop. Oh. 
I loved oh, pickles man. as a kid, but this is too far. I mean, here's the thing. I've heard of people putting pickle juice in drinks. I've heard of them taking a swig now and then. But to just carry it around as a beverage. And it's like getting warmer by the minute, too. Like, (laughs) it's not even cold. It just has a hydro flask full of (laughs) pickle brine. Who is this refreshing? (laughs) Is this the old Gatorade? Is this why they invented Gatorade? (laughs) Oh, my God. We're going to try and make pickles with our cucumbers from our garden. So I know, I actively know what's in pickle juice. And it's just making me very ill thinking about it. <laughs> it wasn't oh, man. It wasn't the only kind of weird thing about them. This next thing, though, it's not... It was weird then, not so strange now. He was absolutely obsessed with the movie Star Wars. Okay. I mean... Who wasn't? As of right now, Timothy McVeigh and I have a lot of things in common. Multiple head injuries as a child, <laughs> Catholic parents, and an obsession with Star Wars. Hold on, hold on. Didn't you once get into a horrific bike accident by thinking you could use the force? Yes, I did. And that was the first concussion that I can remember. Watch out. That's all I'm saying, people. Watch out. <laughs> this is what I mean when I call Andrea my Timothy McVeigh. Hey. Hey. Hey, she's more of a gazetter ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, my little gazetter ball. Boo. <laughs> Ever since the epic space opera had hit theaters, Timothy would watch it as often as he could. And he also forced all of his friends to play pretend space war with him, too. He always wanted to be the rebel leader that blew up the Death Star and saved the galaxy. And according to him, when he grew up, he was going to be Luke Skywalker. Oh, no. That's not an option. <laughs> no. That's like uh, that, That's like saying you're going to grow up to be a dragon. Like that, that's, you don't that, you can't do that. Okay, so I'm finding out you guys had really shitty uh what the, what are they called? Uh vocational exams as kids? <laughs> Uh, my vocational test said stand-up comedian. Oh, really? that's impressive. <laughs> Which you would think would be a compliment, except that that just means that you're only qualified to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> but I remember it was it, it was like salesman, stand-up comedian. <laughs> that's pretty good. Well, if Tim took one, it would tell him that he was Luke Skywalker, or at least nice. that's what he thought when he was a fucking little 10-year-old pickle brine soaked child i mean if we're going by how many weird liquids he likes to drink i'm gonna say he's more of an uncle owen oh god yeah yikes it's just deep cuts <laughs> that was for you gary it's another it's, it's put it with the bowling jokes another one <laughs> on that blue milk tip <laughs> So after a while, Tim's friends stopped wanting to play make-believe with him. And half of it was because he always made them be the stormtroopers. But the other half was because they were starting to get into stuff like sports. You know, they just wanted to play baseball and football. But Timothy hated sports. In fact, the only real exercise he got was when he was helping his grandpa, Ed, prepare for the inevitable nuclear holocaust. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) Just some family fun time building an underground bunker. (laughs) I I guess we know where that giant can came from. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, Timothy, look at, look at here. You see this? This is enough boob to last us for three winners. <laughs> I was 
like, I'm storing boob for the end times. <laughs> oh, my God. Grandpa Ed was an OG prepper. He grew his own food. He had an actual bunker. And he taught Timothy from a young age that in the apocalypse, money would have no value and that people would trade goods and services for guns and ammunition. Sounds about right. <laughs> I was going to say, the amount of bread I've traded during this apocalypse, this checks out. <laughs> Basically, what you get when you put all of these things together is a briny little nerd walking around trying to use the force while talking like Rush Limbaugh. It's oh no, yeah, it's it's. I mean, except for that last thing, none of that is particularly bad. You know, it's different, but he just knew what he liked and he didn't apologize for it. Unfortunately, his dad was kind of embarrassed. Bill McVeigh, as you might remember, was a local softball legend. I know that seemed like a throwaway joke, but it keeps coming up. <laughs> I throw underhand better than anyone. <laughs> and my balls are very pliable. <laughs> and they, they're a weird tint of green. I should see a doctor about it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Bill McVeigh had spent so much of his life being a local softball legend, but now that he had gotten a little bit older, he decided that it was time to step aside and help train the future legends of local softball in the southern New York State softball scene. So Bill decided to become the head coach of the local team, the Lockwood Senators. But it was kind of weird that Bill was the head coach of a Little League team and his own son wasn't on the roster. Uh, is it as weird as naming a Little League team the Senators? Yeah, kids, go out there, put on your nicest clothes, sit around and don't do jack shit. But make us think you're going to do something. Make us think you're going to help us out. But then just completely fuck us in the ninth inning. What is their logo? A guy making anti-LGBT legislation while secretly seeing gay sex workers <laughs> <laughs> I heard they don't have a logo because they couldn't agree on one before the deadline Yikes. oh yes 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 Jesus. it's just a shirts just say logo here test <laughs> <laughs> we funded war instead of a logo <laughs> Oh, man. It uh, it took some convincing, but eventually Timothy agreed to play ball, and his life changed forever. Timothy was a small, skinny kid. He kind of looked like a, like a twig with arms and legs, if I'm being honest. He's just very, 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 very thin. And no one had ever picked on him before, but at his team's first practice, a bigger kid took his hat away and started playing keep away. And when Tim failed to get it back, the bully pushed him to the ground and started laughing at him. And he and the whole team gave him a new nickname, Noodle McVeigh. Well, that sucks. It could be way worse. I will invite us to all remember David Koresh's childhood nickname. Wasn't it just like stupid asshole I didn't want and that was his father's name for him or something? Uh, it was. And... and <clears throat> Again, apologies. This is not something we came up with. This is Cruel Children, Mr. Retardo. Yeah. Yikes. I just don't understand why he didn't use that nickname as inspiration to start the noodle people that are in front of car sales, car dealerships. The inflatable oh, whacking. the like waving yeah, tube Yeah, man. the OG noodle man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The OG noodle man. Yeah. <laughs> 
He could have capitalized off this nickname if he'd only <laughs> embraced it. Or a chain of whitewashed Asian fusion restaurants. Yes, ah, Noodle McRae. As stupid as this nickname sounds, it really hurt Tim's feelings a lot. Mostly because it felt like the universe was telling him that he'd never be a real man like his father. And again, real man is in heavy quotations. <laughs> he would only be a noodle, ever. <laughs> he would only be a noodle person, you'll like never, Andrea said. You'll only be delicious with sauce and fun in pools. <laughs> yeah, how dare you be not be a regional softball champion. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair... It's very hard to be a local softball legend in the southern New York State local softball scene. It's much easier to be a rigatoni in the pasta of life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was also the first time that a bully was stopping Tim from achieving something, which in this case was earning his father's respect. Or at least he thought. Because remember, with Timothy McVeigh, there is no in-between. It's just nothing happened to him or it's the worst thing that ever happened to him and somebody is actively trying to tear his life apart as timothy got older he kind of grew into his weirdness but i okay don't get me wrong he was still you know he got bullied occasionally like in middle school he found out that he was amazingly good at playing basketball of all things i don't why he was so terrible at everything except for basketball but apparently one time he scored 42 points in one game of basketball damn much like the car dealership noodles he's tall and thin as fuck and he's got (laughs) arms for days arms for days yeah little timmy could ball up i i don't know about you guys i'm excited for the nike pickle 11s (laughs) he sounds like slender man (laughs) <laughs> yeah. slender man could ball up too that's when no one knows he fucking he does one-on-ones with sasquatch and just fucking dunks on a motherfucker <laughs> i imagine that he's playing with prince in heaven <laughs> but timothy decided to quit playing basketball once the other team started calling him noodle mcveigh again but i feel like for basketball noodle is positive I mean, the thing is, is it's like you're good at a thing and you're going to quit just because some people are assholes. Cut it out. At this point, he decides that he doesn't want to do pretty much anything physical ever again because it's just not worth the hassle of being bullied. So instead, he chooses to stick to what he's good at. And in high school, he finds his true calling, computers. Just like the rest of us that were really bad with physical stuff. It turns out we're really good with something that matters when you can't use your joints anymore. (laughs) I'm not good at sports or computers. (laughs) (laughs) In 1985, long before the internet was in all of our homes, Timothy owned two Commodore 64s and had his room converted into a makeshift computer lab. And online, the 17-year-old was known as... The Wanderer. Yeah, if you guys are wondering, he straight up actually did get his name from that song. Uh, Well, I'm the type of guy that'll never settle down. I'm a total piece of shit, and this song is fucking dumb. No, I'm a piece of shit. A piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit, a shit, a shit, a shit. You know that song? No. You don't know that song? Well, I don't think so. Oh, man. What? I got to play this song for her. Gross. So he's just like, I like to grope women. 
on the Wanderer. Yeah, he's Noodle Boy sixty nine sixty nine. But among his internet friends, he's known as the Wanderer. Which, like, if he had parlayed those two things into one, he would have just been Anthony Bourdain, wandering from place to place, trying the best noodles. Yeah. Also, I'm just going to put this forth right now. He's living in the wrong era because now is a time when skinny noodle boys can be all about pickles online. And everyone's like, oh, dude, I love Rick and Morty. That's my favorite show. (laughs) 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 It'll fucking fit in perfectly. In 40 more years, he would have been a god. (laughs) So Timothy was a computer genius. One night, he and his friends were even able to hack into their school's computer system. And it seemed so easy that they decided to raise the stakes. So the next night, they hacked into a Defense Department missile range in New Mexico. Holy shit. War games. (laughs) It is the movie War Games. When I was a kid and I learned how to do basic HTML and I was like, cool. So I just put a song on my MySpace page and now I can hack into the government. I'm in. (laughs) Uh, And somehow, by the way, just going to say this, they pulled it off. They actually did hack into a Defense Department system in New Mexico. Why? Just to prove that they could do it. That's when, that's actually a lot of what hacking is about, is just to show people you can do it. They did it to get all of the turquoise jewelry and blue corn chips they could carry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, most in, the most valuable things from New Mexico. <laughs> Give us your pottery <laughs> and your fusion Mexican food. In his senior year of high school, Timothy was even voted his school's most promising computer programmer. And apparently, the Wanderer was even starting to live up to his name. As a 17-year-old, he was able to work a part-time job. And so he took a position at the local Burger King, and now he was discovering some extra perks to the job. (laughs) Namely, the fact that it's every woman's fantasy to fuck the guy at Burger King. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nothing against Burger King, but... No, no, uh, no, no, that's not my fantasy. Unless Henry Cavill is working at the Burger King, in which case, yes, <laughs> on on the fry baskets, wherever, whatever. Hey, hey, baby girl, you want me to flip you over like I flip these burgers? You want a taste of this <laughs> thick, juicy meat? <laughs> well, OK, hear me out. of all the fast food restaurants, Burger King is the sexiest because you can have it your way. Ooh. And you know he's packing because he's got one hell of a whopper. (laughs) Yeah. Burger King, sponsor us, please. So apparently, uh, and I got this from the book American Terrorist, where again, Tim says a lot of of wild shit and they just kind of leave you to sort through some of it. Uh, But apparently the first time Tim got lucky was when he was flirting with one of his regulars. She was 10 years older than him and super married. Oh, no. Oh, no. But she still couldn't resist that sexy blue and yellow uniform. Mm. I came here to get a burger, but I left with a noodle. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get the meat sweats together. <laughs> Talk about a meat cute. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> like, M E A T? Yeah. 
So, so they made their way back to her place where they put on some music, ripped off each other's clothes, and then she yelled very loudly, I love to fuck over and over and over. And if you're wondering, that is a direct quote from his book. (laughs) This is confusing more than anything. I feel like no one has ever said that. No. This sounds like when guys are trying to convince each other that they did fuck when they definitely did not fuck. And they're like, yeah, I put my penis in her boobs. (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) In her uh, verguba. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guys. You don't believe me? Smell my fingers. And his friends are like, is is that Pickle juice? Tim? Oh my god. Did you fuck a jar of pickles, Tim? (laughs) Is that why he wanted to work at Burger King for pickle access? (laughs) Check the pickles on your sandwiches. That is not secret sauce. Oh my god. (laughs) See, here's the thing. I make the burgers. We use the pickles. No one asks questions about the juice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> but that is the 100% true, absolute fact, totally not made up story of how Timothy McVeigh lost his virginity. That's the saddest story I've ever heard. This is deeply disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Later that year, and this might make you feel a little bit better, he also started dating a co-worker named Sarah. And she was much more age appropriate because she was both a senior at another nearby high school and she wasn't made up. So (laughs) it it wasn't long before the two were inseparable because, again, it's every woman's fantasy to fuck the guy at Burger King. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. You like to drink pickle juice? (laughs) You know it. I actually really like to drink all of the broth that's in the marinated onions that we put on our burgers (laughs) (laughs) Sarah I'm gonna tell you two things one that's really hot but two don't you ever fucking disrespect the king by doing that okay I take this job very seriously (laughs) I'm Timothy fucking noodle McVeigh you don't even know who I am I'll drink your pickle juice (laughs) Mm. oh my god I know that I'm kind of doing a bit I want you guys to understand that Timothy McVeigh, even from the beginning, was the guy who took every job way too seriously. He was the one where if any of you did something wrong, he would report you to your direct manager. He's that guy. Yeah. In 1986, at the age of 18, Timothy McVeigh was all set to graduate high school and accept a scholarship. And he had his whole life mapped out for him. He'd go to college, he'd get a career, and then he'd settle down and raise a family with Sarah, just like his dad. But right before he got his diploma, he saw where that life map might take him. Because Tim's parents had a very rocky marriage. And it wasn't because of Tim or even anything remotely dramatic. They were just very, very different people. She was Mickey McVeigh, a travel agent who wanted to see the world. And he was Bill McVeigh, full-time factory worker and part-time Little League softball coach. He didn't want to do anything, so she decided to do everything without him. And I want to be very clear here. 
There are no villains in this divorce. Neither one of these people was even really that surprised or upset when they decided to get divorced. It happens very often that one side will just kind of want to be a homebody and the other side will want to go do something. And if you can't get on the same page or come up with a compromise or even communicate those things, it will sometimes end terribly. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what happened with my other longest relationship before this one is pretty much I was just like hey I want to do stuff and he's like okay if you want to do that do it yourself and I was like okay then why are we together yeah this is dumb now now Andre is in a situation where she's like hey I want to do stuff and I'm like that's fucking shit can I get high first <laughs> noise <laughs> uh, yeah it's you know it's one of those things you hear about it a lot it just happens and even though he'd never admit it, his parents' breakup really, really affected Tim. How old is he at this point? He is 18 years old. Okay. Yeah, but he, he definitely noticed some of the stuff going on before. Like, his parents' marriage had been rocky for a while, but he still thought, like, oh, well, they're never going to break up. Parents don't break up. That's not a thing that happens in America. But then it started happening to him and all of his classmates. Hell yeah, dude. I think it's I think it's difficult when you're at this age. Like when my parents got divorced, I was so young that I had a lot of time to adjust to what a healthy relationship should look like because, you know, my parents dated other people and they I had a good blueprint for that. But when you're 18 and you're having your own relationships and then your parents break up and you've only seen unhealthy relationships, it makes you question what a relationship is or should be. Yeah, and it, it also really obviously scared the shit out of Timothy McVeigh because as soon as his parents got divorced, he pretty much just completely dropped out from normal society. He broke up with Sarah, he rejected his scholarship, and he even changed his senior quote in the yearbook. Now it said that his future plans included taking it as it comes, buying a Lamborghini, and scoring some California girls. Yikes. Easy, Manson. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say that does either sound like part of a Manson statement or... Like the prototype for a Katy Perry song. (laughs) Take it as it comes by a Lamborghini, California girls. California girls, we eat at Burger King, eating (laughs) noodle dicks. I love to fuck. Lamborghini sex, it's so uncomfortable. Tiny black seat. (laughs) This was also the first time that Timothy started believing in a conspiracy theory. But in classic (laughs) Timothy McVeigh fashion, it was a really weird one about himself that he also invented himself. So in 1977, when he was nine years old, there was this really, really bad blizzard that hit all of New York. And the weather was so bad that Tim's mom got trapped in her office with her co-workers for six days. And for six days, her and her co-workers basically did nothing but drink, fool around, and eat snacks from a vending machine. And even though Mickey swore that nothing happened, Tim honestly believed that this was the moment that she decided to leave her husband. And maybe if his dad could have been more prepared, he could have rescued her like a hero instead of trapping her in a six-day nonstop travel agent orgy. Hold on real quick. So he's nine when this happens. He's nine when the blizzard happens and 18 when his parents finally get divorced. So she planned for nine years? Nine. Nine years. 
to leave for one of her co-workers? Real? No, yeah. that's nonsense. It does. It's, it's also vending machine snacks are terrible. Yeah, they're not nutritional. You that's can't. The biggest you problem. can't fuck for six days on M and M's, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say the different uh, flavors of chips make it really easy to see who's had sex with who because you just check the fingerprints. Oh God! <laughs> I know where you got those orange hand prints. <laughs> as long as it's not pickle juice. <laughs> oh God! I'm everything's fine. slimy. Mm. We do have pickles and pickle juice in my office, but we do also have like alcohol, but also like regular foods like apples and stuff. <laughs> we have enough for a light snack and a heavy party. Yeah, we've got like apples and string cheese. We would never survive for six days. See, now you're super ready for a blizzard or a cheese plate. So Timothy becomes obsessed with survivalism. And at first, it's little things. It's like, you know, he keeps a jug of water in his trunk. Just, you know, you can't be too careful. You don't know when you'll need water. But pretty soon, he's renting a storage container and stockpiling rations, ammunition, and gasoline in case of an unexpected foreign invasion. Okay. Easy there, buddy. Yeah, it's a it's a it's intense, but I'll pose this to you. It would bring a whole new meaning to the show Storage Wars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to bid $70 on this apartment? <laughs> Cuz that's basically what it is. It's like another house. If whoever bids the most and wins that storage container can easily take out the other bidders and again, guns and ammunition will be better than money someday. Don't forget what Grandpa Ed said. Straight up best place to be in a zombie apocalypse is a storage container yeah there's only one entry one exit and it's got everything you need no because it doesn't have running water and you would run out of air if you kept the door closed it's also there's no windows i would argue that your ultimate best plan in a zombie apocalypse is a gated property that has a second floor that you can lock off from the first floor i still state i still state that the best place is a costco and then build one of them tree houses like they did in employee of the month with dane cook y'all remember that movie y'all remember when dane cook wasn't an embarrassment to america remember when jessica simpson had giant ears and that was a plot point (laughs) (laughs) oh my god So uh, he starts preparing for this unexpected foreign invasion, but he also starts reading stuff from survivalists like Jeff Cooper, who wrote the book To Ride, Shoot Straight, and Speak the Truth, which is, you know, in addition to making a great name for a country song, it's also a DIY survival hand guide. That's what it is. I'm going to ride, shoot straight, and speak the truth right into your heart. I fucked my tractor. Now she's gonna leave. You know, <laughs> normal country song. She left me for the guy at Burger King. <laughs> Guess she's headed her way. <laughs> So Jeff Cooper was a firm believer that a person's greatest tool in the apocalypse is their mind, but that their second greatest tool is two handguns that can shoot real fast like this. Pew, 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 pew. I'm going to argue. Sure. Mind is your first greatest tool. That's why the zombies want to eat it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Second greatest tool, machete or any sort of spear. 
just you know weapons that don't really need to be sharpened all that much and don't need to be reloaded Mm -hmm. i think that Mm -hmm. would be great for a zombie apocalypse but i think he's talking about an apocalypse where a nuclear bomb hits he thinks that a nuclear bomb is going to go off and we're not going to have zombies short-sighted as fuck Side side note, friend of the show, uh, Bobby, who was on our Om Shinrikyo episodes and our uh, Colonia Dignidad episodes, believes that the best weapon during a zombie apocalypse is a Klingon Batleth. This is like a well-established thing. He would argue it with you for hours. I don't even know what that is. It's like a giant double-sided sword. Uh-huh. Mm. I'll send you a picture. But essentially, it's like six machetes with two handles. Ooh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, let's do it. It's pretty cool. So th- this is the kind of stuff that he's learning. You know, he's learning about uh, riding, shooting straight, speaking the truth, six machetes on a Klingon weapon, that kind of shit. Uh, but it turns out the handguns, books, and storage containers are all very expensive stuff. And if you don't want to end up on storage wars like we talked about, he had to get a job and he had to get a job soon. Now, Timothy was an extremely smart dude. The way that he got that scholarship from earlier was by almost getting a perfect score on his mathematical entrance exam. He had only missed one question. He was one question away from getting a perfect score on his entrance exam. Damn. But he also felt like he could always fall back on nerd shit later. He figured that even without a college degree, employers would be able to easily tell how obviously he qualified he was to do any job he wanted. Ooh, right, right. Yeah, that's not how that works. First mistake, Mm-mm. baby. Mm-hmm. So instead, he decided to look for a job that would allow him to carry a gun every day. And he found one working as an armed security guard in Buffalo, New York. Somebody's got to shoot all those buffaloes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need their delicious, delicious wings. They're so tiny. <laughs> I know. Whoever thought they could fly like with those tiny wings? They're ineffective. It's so sad we kill a whole buffalo just for two wings. I know. That is deeply disturbing. So in 1987, when he was 19 years old, Timothy took a job at the Burke Armored Car Service. He was going to be a driver in one of those big vans that carries money around from banks to businesses. It's basically Brinks trucks. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In his head, Tim thought that he would be fighting bank robbers every single day. But in reality, he was like basically a glorified ups driver armed ups which is terrifying honestly yeah he's like a ups driver in the zombie apocalypse but for the first time since he found the internet timothy felt like he actually belonged somewhere his co-workers loved him they even gave the gun nut a new nickname they called him the kid oh that sucks noodle's a better name yeah (laughs) no the kid is the nickname you get when you're the youngest guy in the shop and all the old guys are like look at this kid he's ready to learn well in reality it was kind of an inside joke one day timothy showed up for work dressed in a full bandolier complete with live ammunition in the slots what the fuck oh no Oh, no, that's time to call a therapist and probably (laughs) some sort of emergency assistance. (laughs) This is some Wild Wild West cosplay shit. Yeah, exactly. He looks so much like a Bizarro World Billy the Kid that his coworkers started calling him the Kid as a kind of callback to that day. Yikes. 
But in Timothy's mind, it was because he was a young hotshot that you could depend on to get the job done. Oh, oh, honey. He thought they called him the kid because he was obviously the best employee there. But to be fair, he actually was the best employee there. That is true. At the shooting range, he consistently hit every single one of his targets. He was the first one to clock in and the first one to clock out every day, and he even chose to save the company money by bringing in his own gun. In fact, he could bring in a different gun for every single day of the week if he wanted to. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. This is like when you're in middle school and there's like, you have a pen for every day with a different color fuzzy like thing on the end, or it's like a cute animal, but instead it's just a fucking Glock. I cannot relate. <laughs> I cannot relate to having a different pen for every day of the week. I didn't even have a pen for every day of the day. Well, you also didn't do your homework, so. That's true. That's true. And look where we are now. We're business owners. <laughs> Fuck you, Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> the gun collection was kind of his problem, at least in his personal life, because he was building up a pretty big collection of guns for a 19-year-old, and some would say too big of a collection of guns for a 19-year-old. Okay, you have your Funko Pops. I have weapons. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing, okay? This is, this is my baby Yoda Glock. I got it at 7-Eleven. Well, I'm just, I just had a flashback because this is like late 80s, early 90s. There's a part of me that's like, I've got my pogs. You have guns. It's the same thing. I've got a super slammer. You've got an AK. It's no big deal. No, don't touch it. Don't unwrap the gun. It's worthless. Well, when he wasn't working, what Timothy wanted to do most was shoot those guns. <laughs> but the problem was, is that he was living with his dad in a suburban two-bedroom house. And Tim's neighbors were a little upset about the sounds of war coming from the old McVeigh place. I get it. I don't know if you get it. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, I live in the country, and, like, when it's deer hunting season, you just don't go outside in the afternoons. Or, like, if you hear a shot, it's like, oh, I guess I can't go outside right now because stray bullets, it's very dangerous. Just yeah, man. I grew up in Los Angeles, and it was pretty much the same thing. Same exact <laughs> thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His neighbors get a little upset, and at one point, they call a sheriff, and he comes out to explain that Tim did indeed have the right to shoot guns on his property, but the neighbors have kids, and a stray bullet could fucking kill somebody. So the sheriff asked very politely that Tim cool it with the guns, and even though the officer was right, it was hard for Tim to not see him as a bully. Hey there, Noodle. Here's the thing. <laughs> Can I call you Noodle? Can I call you Mr. Noodle? <laughs> I'd, pref I'd, uh, I'd prefer if you didn't. Hey there, noodle kid. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. We appreciate you taking the law into your own hands. They're, but they're very salty hands. They're so salty and mm. small and sweaty for some reason, but it's I, fine. No, normal palms. I got chubby fingers. Oh, right. Sure, kid. Uh, anyway, here's the thing. If you go ahead and you could take that to a shooting range so you can safely shoot your guns, that would be pretty great this is fucking nazi germany how <laughs> dare you i'm just asking you to use your head kid use your noodle do what you need to do 
And we're kind of joking around, but I mean, that is exactly what happened. The cop was like, hey, man, you there's fucking kid. You can't just shoot a gun for no reason. Be a be a decent human. Just go to a shooting range. It'll be fine. And Timothy McVeigh was like, the government's making me pay money to shoot guns. This is what entitlement is. Entitlement is a reasonable request and the other person feeling like they're being attacked. Yeah. That's what entitlement is. But one early morning, around 2 a.m., Timothy got a phone call from his boss. He was told to get dressed, get get his fucking gun ready, and drive to the airport because he was going to accompany millions of dollars to the Federal Reserve. In the armored car service, this was like being called up to the big leagues. To put it into perspective... To put it into perspective, this is like if you're a local softball player and you get to play a game with local softball legend Bill McVeigh. That's huge. (laughs) Wow. His career. Huge deal, you guys. And while the nickname The Kid had started as a joke, it quickly became Timothy's whole persona. He was no longer that weakling noodle McVeigh. He was The Kid. He was only 19 years old and already being trusted to guard millions of dollars. He felt like he had finally found his calling. But he was also starting to find the wonderful world of racism. No! Yeah. Growing up, Timothy's neighborhood was 100% white. I mean, like, 1950s Coca-Cola advertisement white. And at his high school, he had no non-white classmates. So for almost two decades, for his entire life... Timothy had not met a single person of color. Yeah, he he has not met a black person. And Eddie Murphy is one of the most famous people in the world at the same time. That's crazy. Exactly. And I I don't want you to think like he's never he's never seen black people before. Like he's seen black people on TV. He's just never met a black person in real life. In fact, the first time he ever saw a black person with his own eyes was while driving the armored truck through the city streets of Buffalo, New York. And his co-workers hated black people. They referred to them exclusively as porch monkeys. Yikes. Oh, jeez. And when Timothy asked why, they told him it was because they sit around on their porch all day waiting for their welfare checks. And it is super important for two reasons. One, because it fuses his view of black people with a shitty stereotype that while he's out working, they can just sit around and get some government money. And two, he learns that if he repeats these same ideas, he will be met with praise from people that are super into guns. It's basically a shortcut to gaining his new friend's approval. Because the better Timothy fit in with his co-workers, the more high-profile jobs he got to work, and the more jobs he worked, the more money he could make to support his gun-buying addiction. Because remember, for Timothy, it was all about the guns, and he could no longer shoot on his dad's property anymore, but around his 20th birthday, he had finally saved up enough to afford a solution to his problems. He bought some land. It was shitty, it was remote, and it was not good for very much. But it was Timothy's land, and that meant that he could shoot guns whenever the hell he wanted. And this is when his collection grew to include a few automatic weapons and some high-capacity magazines. Believe it or not, in the 80s, a lot of that stuff is still legal. The only reason I know this is from when I looked at Waco, where in 1986 was when a lot of those 
you know, uh, laws changed. So depending on when he bought some of that stuff, a lot of it would have probably still been legal. I just imagine him going to bed every night with a gun on his pillow and telling the gun about his day <laughs> and then like stroking it. Just be like, you understand me. <laughs> yeah, he's married to a gun. Yeah. Uh, and if you thought that he was loud before, it sounded like fucking Vietnam at Timothy's new place. And he was starting to be so loud that he was even pissing off his new neighbors. The surrounding landowners didn't have children, but they did have livestock. And one farmer complained that his chickens hadn't laid a single egg since Timothy had moved onto the property. He was starting to cost them money. So they called the cops on him. And simply put, another sheriff told Tim that it was his land, but his neighbors could make it hard for him to stay there. If they were to band together, they could vote to outlaw firearms discharges unless completely necessary. So he asked Tim if this was really worth all the hassle. And to Tim, it was. This was the second time in his life that he felt like bullies were standing in the way of his happiness. He had earned his money, bought his guns, and owned his land. He should have every right to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. But now, the government was telling him no. So again, Timothy drops out from society. He quits his job, he sells his land, and he's back to having no goals or motivation. And then someone gives him an idea. Hey Tim, if you love guns so much... Why don't you just join the military? That's the gun equivalent of, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? (laughs) Why don't you marry him? And he's like, one day our love will be legal. (laughs) (laughs) At the age of 20, Timothy walked into a recruiter's office and took the military vocational test. And just like with the mathematics entrance exam from earlier, he was just one question away from earning a perfect score. To the military, Timothy McVeigh was like the bell of the ball. Fun fact, <laughs> that that test, the Armed Services Vocational Battery, I also scored a nearly perfect score. I oh, only asked one question. Congrats, Paige. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Didn't use it. <laughs> nice. You could be married to a gun right now. <laughs> well, they used to call my house all the time and be like, do you want to be a radiologist for the army? And I'm like, no, what? I like to imagine that they didn't even say anything. You'd just be like, eh, hello? And they'd be like, do you want to be a fucking radiologist for the army? And you're like, who is this? And like, we've been compromised. And just hang up. Do you want to marry a gun and have access to as much pickle juice as you want? Oh, God, yes. No, no I don't. That doesn't sound good at all. Join the military. <laughs> <laughs> different strokes for different folks, Paige. Different strokes. Uh, um, so the Air Force wanted him to lead their computer department. The Navy offered him a job as a nuclear propulsion specialist. He had his pick of high-paying, skilled labor that would directly translate to a civilian job when his service was over. But Tim didn't want to do any of that boring-ass nerd shit. When he was a kid, he dreamed of being like Luke Skywalker. He wanted to shed his farm boy exterior, fight the forces of evil, and be known as a hero. As a young adult, he thought working for the armored car service would give him his chance. That one day he'd be able to stop a bank robbery and everyone would know how brave and talented he was. But neither of those things happened. 
He didn't want to help heroes from behind a computer screen by making sure their fucking submarines could move. He wanted to be the hero. And now he finally had his chance. So he turned down those other lucrative positions and joined the United States Army as an infantryman instead. So he thought that he was just going to fly through boot camp, enter the special forces, and then immediately become a Green Beret. That was his entire idea. And he knew it was going to be tough, especially for the same guy who spent about a decade of his life being known as Noodle McVeigh. But Tim knew that he could do it because that was a really long time ago. And now he was Timothy the Kid McVeigh and the kid could get anything done. It's the... I'm a tiger, gonna marry this gun, gonna save all friends from the Death Star. Where do I come on this gun? <laughs> Probably the trigger. Which part of the gun makes babies? Are my babies half bullet? What's going on with my bullet babies? <laughs> I love this hip hop break in the, the Eye of the Tiger song. About some good old fashioned gun fucking. Um... <laughs> After signing up for the army, he drove home and told his friends and family the news. Timothy was shipping out to boot camp tomorrow. It was so sudden, but also, it kind of made sense, so everyone was just really happy for him. They kind of figured that this was exactly what Timothy needed to change his life forever. Unfortunately, they had no idea how right they were. And Timothy's timing couldn't have been more perfect for the army, because unbeknownst to them or our country, there was war on the horizon. And that's where we'll pick up next week with part two of our series on Timothy McVeigh. Wow. Damn. Weird. Yeah. I appreciated the amount of noodles in this episode. (laughs) I think what's so interesting to me is sort of... How this this kid is very intelligent when it comes to like book smarts, but he has this sense of idealism and this idea of what the world should be and who he wants to be that is so childish. Yeah. You know, like he wants to be a hero. I just want to be a hero. I just want to fight the bad guys. I just want to hold the gun. And like, it's just crazy to me that someone so intelligent can still be so child minded. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty common. I've seen <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff about like some smart people and just like not only are they A very 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 petty, but B sometimes they just find joy in the simplest of things. The point of this series is to look at how people are brainwashed and utilized by the white supremacist movement. And in this particular episode, we've covered the type of person who is most attracted to joining these groups. But there are two things that we should focus on specifically. One, like we mentioned earlier, was Timothy McVeigh's introduction into racism. A lot of racists, they're not like full-blown supervillains like we think of. You know what I mean? Like, most racists... They're not actively spouting hate constantly, and it's not even that big of a part of their life. It's just like a little thing that's there that's a part of them. And that's not me saying, like, that's an okay level of racism. I'm saying that's where most racism lives. Racism at its core is just ignorance. And if you're ignorant to something, you don't think about it a lot or at all. And that's the thing is, like, it's just this kind of vague idea you heard. You never questioned it. You just perpetuated this idea or these beliefs. 
and then it's just whatever you know like there's a there's definitely most racism is ignorance and then you can you can evolve into like extra hatred or extra bullshit mm-hmm. where you get into the conspiracy theory stuff but for the most part most racism is just ignorance yeah most racism is exactly like it was here where like tim never met uh, an entire group of people and just had his ideas formed by other people about them before he could, you know, meet these people himself, ever. Well, and he's also in a situation where he's trying to gain popularity and support, and he and he just wants to be accepted into the group. And so he's just going along with whatever the group says. Yeah, definitely. Uh, secondly, the other thing that I had was that it's very important to look at this feeling of persecution. So in Ruby Ridge, the weavers felt like they were being persecuted for their kind of like religious minimalist way of life. In Waco, they thought they were being persecuted for their stockpile of weapons. Although on both groups, there's a little bit of crossover. And the constant theme through all of this is that there is an unstoppable force blocking you from doing what you want to do. So Timothy McVeigh, he feels like bullies are keeping him from being happy. And this is this thing where like, he feels like any time he doesn't accomplish the things that he wants, and it happens more as he gets older, but every time he doesn't accomplish the thing he wants, there has to be a bully behind it, behind his failure. You know, there has to right. be somebody that caused his downfall. Well, it's a childish idea to think that you're not responsible for your failure. Someone yeah. else is responsible for your failure. It's like when you blame the dog for eating your homework. Yeah. It's not real but it feels better than saying oh i fucked up yeah dude i mean if if you take away anything from this episode i want it to be that timothy mcveigh timothy mcveigh thinks that his mom left because his dad wasn't a hero during the blizzard of 1977 like that's crazy that's the level of mental gymnastics that he's doing to be like something's trying to ruin my family well it sounds like timothy mcveigh also has some narcissistic tendencies yeah where i think this is something that you see a lot where people feel like anytime they interact with another person their needs come first and the other person's needs aren't as important or if the other person expresses a need then that person is persecuting them or hurting them or harming them just by existing and wanting equality. You know, his neighbors say, hey, don't shoot your guns. You're going to kill a kid. And he's like, this is a persecution of my rights, man. And uh, yeah, and they're like, well, it seems like you're trying to persecute my kids. Could you fucking back off, you pickle-smelling motherfucker? Well, I would say like that idea or that persecution complex is also at the root of a lot of the institutionalized racism because it's just like the idea that black and brown people want to just be treated equally as human beings. There are white people that are like, oh, my God, this infringes on my rights to be an asshole. Yeah. Same thing with like gay rights. You know, people are like, oh, my God, I have to treat someone if they're gay. Like this new law that Trump just passed. It's just like or this new bill that he signed. It's just like, okay, wait a minute, hold on. It's persecuting you to treat another human being with kindness as a human being what that's crazy insane absolutely insane 
So uh, this episode, just like all of our episodes, is brought to you by um, Noodle McVeigh's pickle juice, the only carbonated <laughs> pickle brine on the market. Oh, why is it carbonated? That makes mm. it worse. A hundred percent. There's a pickle soda. Ooh. I know. Uh, like if we went to Rocket Fizz right now or Galco's, we would find it. Oh God, Noodle McVeigh's carbonated pickle experience is what it's called that's right here in the ad copy <laughs> oh god that just sounds like a weird hipster band noodle mcveigh's carbonated pickle experience and it says oh, here god. noodle mcveigh's pickle brine experience the only drink meant to be served a little too warm oh. it says it says here for best serving leave outside for two full days open no no no, that's disgusting, and I feel gross about it. Um, our episode is actually sponsored by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, bow, bow. And this episode in particular is brought to you by Jill Parsons. Jill Parsons, who I like to imagine is the long-lost twin of Jack Parsons. Yeah, 100%. And that would make Jack and Jill Parsons. Ba-doom, I don't know if I'd want to be in that family, but yeah, right? <laughs> Especially with how attracted he is to certain members of his family. Oh, no. I'm just imagining Jack and Jill Parsons went up the hill to fetch some knives to come on. Is that? Oh, I'm, I'm, good. I'm picturing both him and Jill being played by Adam Sandler. And <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Oh, actually. no. Oh my god, I love it. Um we have our we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash cult podcast. For just five dollars a month, you get access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone, and there's a bunch of other tiers too with some cool rewards as well. But in addition to possibly supporting us on Patreon, you should also do a few other actionable things if you have some time. And here to talk about that is our very own Andrea Gazetta. Hey guys, if you have some money rolling around in your pocket, did you know that you can just give a monthly donation to things like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Black Lives Matter Foundation, the American Civil Liberties Union, the Bail Project, or Fair Fight? Did you know that for just $5 a month, you can have a subscription to justice? Did you know that? That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we have all of these organizations pinned in the Facebook group. If you want to go to the Cult Podcast Facebook group, mm -hmm. uh, it's pinned at the top. We also have some different petitions and action items that you can be a part of. Uh, things like Justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, send an email to the Pardon and Parole Board for Julius Jones, things like that. But just remember that if you are going to be a part of these petitions, I highly recommend just using the email address and writing your own email in your own words. A lot of offices use filters to filter out these cut and paste template emails so that they're not just getting spammed. But if you write your own email, your legislators will actually have to read those and spend time and resources reading that. So if you're going to contact your mayor about defunding the police or something like that, just make sure it's something in your own words. And I highly recommend doing that because you can do it while you take a poop. You can. While you take a poop, you can fight years and years and even generations of 
civil unrest and and systemic racism you're assuming that people only poop once a day some of us eat a lot of cheese yeah i'm lactose intolerant so it means i'm doing the most out of all of us (laughs) um yeah all of that's really great and you can find that on our cult podcast facebook group and if you want some help finding the group you can go to cultpodcastshow.com and then down at the bottom there's a little button that says facebook group click on that and join us there um for this one i'm gonna say uh if you want to send me if you if you want to send me a mock-up for an advertisement for noodle mcveigh's warm carbonated pickle juice experience uh you can do so on instagram twitter or my nightmares uh just throw it at me through the ether (laughs) astral project it to my brain yes exactly um just really plant it deep in that motherfucker you can find me on instagram and twitter at mondo does stuff and in the ether by the nacho fountain if you want to send me uh timothy mcveigh and his gun fan fiction (laughs) or pinup photos of guns wearing lingerie <laughs> you can send that to me at andrea on instagram or at sundress comic on twitter i hope you do i hope somebody does i want guns <laughs> in lingerie please yes and thank you so much <laughs> yes um if you have made pickles before and you have a recipe that you like feel free to send that to me at rampage wesley on instagram or at Paige Wesley on Twitter. Uh, you can also hear me on Wednesdays on Black Card Rehab. And if you want to see me roast battling uh, internationally, we are having a tournament of USA versus Tokyo uh, on the 27th of June. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. If you like our show, you can find us uh, on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to ColtPodcastShow at gmail.com. And if you want to mail us hot pickles, mm. you can send <laughs> Actually, here's the thing. Because of the canning process, hot pickles, still delicious. This is true. And it is hot as balls in Los Angeles. If so. you want to send us some pickles you made yourself by just throwing some cucumbers in some Sprite and making your own noodle McVeigh's like noodle McVeigh's like carbonated, carbonated meant, to be, pickle meant to be warm carbonated pickle experience. Uh, if you want to send those to us, you can send them to three seven five six West Avenue forty Suite K number two thirty seven. Like the, the shining. shining, Los Angeles, California nine zero zero six five. Uh, we also have a few other plugs uh, that we have already put on the show before, but of course you can go to Black Visions Collective uh, or at Black Visions Collective on Instagram or at Reclaim the Block on Instagram as well. Um, we were promoting at MN Freedom Fund, but I think the Minnesota Freedom Fund actually has max capacity of they donations. They have so much money, you can give it to other places now. Yeah. And uh, we'll try to come up with some people that you should follow to keep informed on the subject each week for you. Follow the ACLU, honestly. They're amazing and doing great stuff. And I think what I will say for this one is don't drink the pickle juice. Yeah, please don't. And definitely don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.